Sermons from FBC Athens. Welcome to the weekly podcast for listening to the sermons from Sunday worship at First Baptist Church of Athens, Georgia. The title for the sermon from Sunday, October the 22nd is No Harness with a Net. The sermon is given by Matt Marston, Senior Minister at First Baptist. The scripture text is chapter 2 from the book of Ruth. Today's reading is the second chapter of the book of Ruth, a continuation from last week. Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, behind someone in whose sight I might find favor. She said to her, Go, my daughter. So she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. They answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who is in charge of the reapers, to whom does this young woman belong? The servant who is in charge of the reapers answered, she is the Moabite who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. So she came and she has been on her feet from early this morning until now without resting even for a moment. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Then she fell prostrate with her face to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me? when I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, May I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I am not one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some of this bread and dip your morsel in the sour wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he heaped up for her some parched grain. She ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she got up to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, Let her glean even among the standing sheaves, and do not reproach her. You must also pull out some handfuls for her from the bundles and leave them for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was an ephah of barley. She picked it up and came into the town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gleaned. Then she took out and gave her what was left over after she herself had been satisfied. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, 
The man is a relative of ours, one of our nearest kin. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay close by my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is better, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, otherwise you might be bothered in another field. So she stayed close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A man named Charlie came to see me. He was from South Boston and was in South Georgia for uh, rehab uh, from alcoholism. He came in to see me and said, I have got a big problem with all this God stuff. And I said, well, I guess you can talk to me about it. I'm not God. You understand that. But he had been hearing about God because he had been attending AA and he'd begun attending our church. And he said, here is my problem. It sounds like if you believe in God, you just sit around and wait for God to solve all your problems. Your job is to do nothing. And I said, where did you get that from? And he said, well, there's this phrase that's in the big book of AA, God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. That's in the Bible too. That's called grace. God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. But Charlie thought, and he had seen examples of people saying, well, I'm just going to wait for God to fix my problems. Is that what faith looks like? Is it just waiting and doing nothing and expecting everything to change because you believe enough or have enough ideas about God. Last week we started Ruth, and I suggested that Ruth was the presence of God to Naomi, that God was present to Naomi through Ruth, this foreigner, this person who did not belong to Israel, this outsider. And I'd like to look today at faith from the example again of, of Ruth. This time, less God's presence and her trust in God's presence because she took a risk. There were hints of it. I'll tell the young men not to bother you. What does that tell you? They may have been bothering other people. It may have been very, it was very dangerous to be a single, unattached woman in every ancient culture I'm aware of, and certainly in ancient Israel. Ruth goes out to the field empty-handed, relying only on the wheat that had been left over. She is gathering. She has no one to protect her. She has no documents. She has no passport. She took a risk. And what happened? Boaz saw her, provided for her. There was a real connection. And I would suggest that connection was in answer to her faith in God and what God was doing behind the scenes. 
Sometimes we have an idea of the Bible as a repository of information about God. And I had some parents one time who were dropping their kids off for Sunday school, and they were going to Starbucks. It was in Dallas, and there was a Starbucks open on Sunday morning. And I asked them, why are you dropping your, your kids off, and they're staying for worship, and you're picking them up at noon? They said, Uh, we got it. We got the lessons. We got the morals. We're good. The idea being, well, if you learn, you know, God is love, you don't need the Bible. The Bible does communicate information, but it also helps us with pattern recognition. Part of the reason why we read these stories is so that we can learn to recognize the pattern of God's work in the world that we would not be able to see otherwise. And what we see here is that God provides and God works in Ruth and Naomi's life, but they had to take a risk. It did not feel like a guarantee. See, faith in God is not security or invulnerability. We would love to be invincible and invulnerable, wouldn't we? If we have enough money and our car weighs 10,000 pounds and we've got enough security cameras at the house and we are disregarding the Ruth diet and we're not eating bread, we've cut it out. We will be safe and secure. We will be invulnerable. But faith, trust involves vulnerability. It involves a risk. Yesterday, two of our choir members went skydiving. Emily Harbin and Addison. They jumped out of a plane from 12,000 feet on purpose. Yeah, they weren't What kind of trust do you have to have? You've got to trust that the parachute will open, that the instructor is in a good headspace. (laughs) You've got to trust that you'll be caught. Luke Akins set a world record by jumping without a parachute in 2016 from 23,000 feet. And he landed in a net that caught him. He said later, I had to trust that the net would be there and that it would catch me. Faith did not mean not jumping. It didn't mean not falling. It meant taking that risk and trusting that he would be caught. I'd like to suggest that faith in God means that we don't have a harness or a line. We don't always feel secure, but we can trust that there is a net. We will feel like we are falling in faith when we take risks, when we step out and trust, but we can trust that we will be caught in this life or even in the next We are safe in God's arms that spread beneath us. William Sloan Coffin, the great preacher from Riverside Church, said that God gives us 
minimum protection, but maximum support. I'd like the protection, wouldn't you? I'd like the protection at least for me and mine. But we know, can bad things happen to anybody? Yes, they can, and eventually they will. Faith does not mean being absolutely safe and secure, meaning that we are invulnerable and bulletproof. These ridiculous Instagram workout accounts I follow talk about being, you know, do this exercise and have bulletproof abs. What a joke. What a cry. What a deep cry of distrust. I don't have anything to trust, so I want to be bulletproof. Faith means, like Ruth, stepping out and taking a risk. And I'd like to tell you about, this is a totally minor story from my little life, but it was major for me, and I hope you can think of Maybe when this has happened to you or when you've done this for others, when I was in sixth grade, I had made a competitive basketball team and I wanted to try out for an AAU basketball team that summer. But we didn't have the internet back then. To find out when the tryouts were, were totally word of mouth. You had to have inside knowledge. I wasn't good enough to have inside knowledge. But we found out, a friend called one Saturday morning and said, Matt, The tryouts are happening right now. I was in sixth grade, and I thought, well, it's too late. My mom said, get your stuff, we're going. My mom shakes when ordering at a restaurant. She does not ever want to be a bother or an interruption to anybody. But she said, let's go. And we get there, and there are probably 50 people trying out, two courts, running drills. Everything is obviously already in motion. And what do I want to do? Disappear. I'll never play basketball again. Let's just go. Let's get out of here. My little mom walked onto the court, stopped the game, and talked to the coaches. And she said, I want my son to try out. I couldn't believe she did it. I didn't make that team. (laughs) But because of that, I got on another one. Big deal. That doesn't matter. It was a huge moment for me because I had, up to that point, just thought, you know what? To get through life, you just got to disappear. I thought that was the way to go. And that became a turning point that now you're afflicted with here in this place. And I saw from my mom, oh my gosh, my mom stood up for me in trust. She took a big risk. This was, you know, 1995. She could have been shamed. She could have been embarrassed. Uh, We could have been kicked out of the gym, but she did it. Faith means sometimes stepping out and taking a risk. For some of us, that means speaking up. For others of us, it means keeping quiet and listening. Listening is a vulnerable activity, which is why some of us are so bad at it, because we want to be in control of what everything is happening. And so if we're not talking, we're just scared to death of what could happen. Sometimes faith means listening. Sometimes faith means 
making that call. Sometimes embracing that vulnerability means asking for help, saying, I can't do this. I don't have this. Will somebody help me? To follow God, to trust in God, does not mean just sitting on the sidelines waiting for everything to change. It means being ready to listen and step out and do that thing, whatever it is, that we really don't want to do. And trusting that God will be there. And guess what we find so often? God is there in an act of kindness from a stranger, in a listening ear from a therapist or a pastor, from a friend, from a family member, who when you bring up the thing you haven't talked about for 40 years, says, I'm sorry too. I'm glad we had this conversation while we can. Minimum protection, maximum support, no harness, but a net that feel like the everlasting arms of God. One of the great privileges of my ministry was that day when old Charlie from South Boston walked down the aisle and said, I want to be baptized. I want to trust, and I do trust in God. And he was about 6'3", 110 pounds. We got in the baptistry, and he fell backwards, trusting that God would catch him. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons from FBC Athens. Join us for worship in person or our live stream Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. God's grace and peace be with you today, tomorrow, and always.